0: We are going to continue with the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 35 to 42. And it reads the next day, John was standing with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed him. They followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and noticed them following him, he asked them, What are you looking for? Or what do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And Jesus responded, Come and see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard John and followed him. He first found his own brother Simon and told him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought Simon to Jesus. When Jesus saw him, he said, You are Simon, son of Jonah. You will be called Cephas, which is also translated Peter or Petros or the rock as it starts and the next day. Now, this was after Jesus had been baptized. He had gone out into the wilderness led by the Holy Spirit, had been tested for 40 days. He has now returned back to the primary location of where John the Baptist was baptizing. I have no problem believing this was the next day after that. And it reads, John stood with two of his disciples. The identity of one of those two disciples is found there in verse 40. We know it's Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter. The other disciple, We can pretty much conclude, and we do know, that it was John, the gospel writer. The writer of this gospel is now referring to himself, as well as Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. We learn the identity of the one there in verse 40, but the gospel writer keeps his name out of the way. And we will see that he does that throughout his entire gospel account he will refer to himself rather as the one whom Jesus loved, which is true and could be said of all of us. Maybe there is a lot more to be said of John and his choice in leaving his name out, only referring himself to the reader of this gospel as the one whom Jesus loved. John the Baptist, he says as he sees Jesus walking, points and says, behold, the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God, which John mentions as he did before there in verse 29 about Jesus. It is important to know why John the Baptist would use such a phrase as the Lamb of God to describe this man, Jesus, that has come on the scene. John's primary audience were those of Hebrew descent. They were Jewish in their understanding of the living God. All of their lives they were taught the motions of how to properly worship the god that appeared to Moses of which the priests would offer sacrifice would offer a sacrifice of a lamb as part of their daily lives. It was their Jewish tradition to do so in order to appease this god that had rescued them from Egypt and centuries of slavery every one of them also knew the account of when this same god had presented himself to their father abraham some 500 plus years earlier even before moses they knew it was this same god that had demanded isaac the son of abraham to be sacrificed as an offering to him It was only after what must have been an horrible evening of contemplation that Abraham trusted the God that spoke to him, in that the promise that was told to him would have to come to pass. Even if God took away his son, God would have to raise him from the dead. The most significant part of this account concerning Abraham and his son, Isaac, which is now recorded for us in the book of Genesis is that when Isaac said to his father, Abraham, he said, father, we have the wood, we have the fire, but where is the lamb? While the heart of Abraham had already decided to trust in the Lord knowing that the god whom revealed himself to him was the god of the living abraham tells his son what was on his heart it must have been something like this son listen to me you have to trust me god himself will provide the lamb for the sacrifice or it can be translated god will provide for himself the lamb or also god will provide himself as the lamb. I do not believe that Abraham understood what it was, the plan of God. But from what we are told in the very next verses, there in chapter two of the book of beginnings, which would be the book of Genesis, starting with verse 11, right before Abraham was about to slaughter his son, which would have changed his life for the remainder of his breathing days, The angel of the Lord calls out and says, stop, Abraham, do not lay a hand on the boy or do any harm to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your only son from me. Abraham was tested by God and a great truth was revealed to him. Whether Abraham understood it or not, it was his faith in the true and living God that saved the boy from slaughter and that would later show to the world what God was going to do for all the world. Because as we will see when we get to chapter 3 of the Gospel of John, verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. What Abraham did not see with his eyes, John the Baptist knew and proclaimed, behold, Jesus, the Lamb of God. As John points directly to Jesus there in verse 36 and says, behold, the Lamb of God, it is well to note that it is the duty if all be a minister to point toward, to direct the masses, especially the Christian body, to Jesus. I say, especially the Christian body because of the age we are living in today. We as Christians are no good as examples to the world if we spend our time pointing to ourselves or to other men or women of the Bible, of God. Let our lives and our voices, if necessary, point and direct others to Jesus, the Lamb of God, which is exactly what John the Baptist did. It is not difficult to spot a good minister of the Word. You will see and identify proper ministers of the Bible. They will be the ones with their hands to the plow. They will be the ones doing most of the work and taking all of the blame. As their hearts have been molded to not seek for themselves, but rather point and direct others to the Lamb of God, whom the gospel writer tells us is Jesus. You know, my pastor and those that I had been under had always told me what it is to be a minister, a good minister. And what I wanted was to compare what I had always been told to what the dictionary had to say and I believe it's been the first time I actually looked it up in the dictionary, I found seven descriptions as to what a minister is. A minister, at the top of the list, you will find that a minister is, I'm talking, uh, it's probably number two or three. A minister is the superior one of several religious orders, also referred to as the minister general. The superior one. Awfully prideful, if you ask me, that definition. At the bottom of the list, the bottom of the list of descriptions for what it means to be a minister, you will find the last definition, definition number seven, to give aid or service. That's the definition that I had always been told. That is the definition of a minister. That is the meaning, ministry, to give aid or service service. Well, I say that because it, it needs to be pointed out. There are too many ministers who are demanding service to themselves, who are demanding to be served, that others do the work while they reap the harvest. It's incorrect. That's not the definition of minister, nor ought it be. As a matter of fact, the Bible also says Jesus himself will say there in the Gospel of Mark chapter 10, verse 45, he says this. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. I like that. Verse 37, it would seem for reason that Jesus came on the scene, John the Baptist would lose two of his disciples and maybe even more. The two disciples heard him speak referring to john the baptist and they followed jesus they would not listen to john the baptist anymore they would not follow him anymore william Macdonald, a commentator of the bible said this by his faithful preaching john lost two disciples but he was glad to see them following jesus so we should be more anxious for our friends to follow the lord than for them to think highly of us that i believe is the problem in ministry today pastors preachers teachers priests they're not pointing to jesus they're pointing the people to follow them to jesus it is a danger it is the danger of all a minister as he looks about those that come to him to learn of the Lord, and he says in his heart, these people are mine. It was Jesus that successfully made calm the wrath of God. It was Jesus that succeeded the task for all of mankind to benefit. The Bible has a continual theme from Genesis to Revelation, pointing to Jesus, the Lamb of God, and not to man. As Jesus looks back, he sees these two disciples following him and says what do you seek what do you seek like an interview before accepting eager prospects for their next career move Jesus will ask them the question that is asked of each and every one of us as we come to church what do you seek I recommend you ask that question every time you go to a Bible study, every time you go to church, every time you go to a prayer meeting. Ask yourself before you go, look in the mirror, what do you seek? What are you looking for? What are you looking for? Even if you are the one leading, there is only one right answer to that question. And if you answer correctly, the outcome will truly show in your life and for the duration of it here on earth. Matthew writes, Well, I believe the foundation to the correct answer of that question, what do you seek? Matthew writes there in chapter 20, verse 16. He says, so the last will be first and the first last. But then he says, for many are called, but few are chosen. The two disciples, Andrew and John, they ask or they they say to Jesus, answering, the question, what do you seek? They said, where are you staying? Where are you staying? Now the idea, the, the, the feel of what was meant by them saying that is this. The question alone implies they did not just want to have a quick talk on the way. They did not want the quick answer. They did not want a pill to make it all go away, whatever question they may have but rather the question portrays having a desire to be dedicated students of the word. They were willing to listen and love their teacher. They said, rabbi, where are you staying? Instantly, they called him teacher. Where are you staying? They wanted to spend quality time with Jesus. It is good to love your teacher of the word of God. Pray for the pastor, preacher, uh, priest, messenger of God in your life pray for them that wherever they are they would be willing to work with anyone who would help in directing others to spend quality time with Jesus this is in fact what I hope to achieve here on the island of Mauritius as I give aid and service to the people of Mauritius I'm always looking for someone that will be willing to work with me. I'm always looking for the one willing to lead others to Jesus by his word. Jesus says, come and see, come and see. Interesting that this particular word translated from the Greek to see, it means to know, but it, it means to know in this way. It means to know and, and, and to come and be aware of, to come and consider, the word is aido in the Greek. And Jesus chose to use that word to those who were coming to know him because the statement was said, and those following, those hearing him say it would have understood it this way. The statement was said respectfully and confidently. The hearers would have understood that they had the option to come, analyze and learn to know for themselves. Good teachers show you by leading with example. This will allow you to safely see, to safely come and know, to safely come to consider, come to be aware of a matter without having to fully understand the subject. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that comfortable? No pressure. Just come and see. Jesus knew he had nothing to hide. Jesus knew he was not going to lie to them. He was not going to deceive them. He covered nothing. Everything he did wasn't open. We learn about that. Jesus says that, everything I do is in the open. It is relaxing to the soul to know that the living God wants all of us to know Jesus and that Jesus allows for you to come and see for yourself who he says he is. Jesus will later tell Peter, whom we will be introduced to here in in a few uh, minutes. He will later tell Peter there at the end of, uh, the Gospel of John, verse twenty-one, uh, chapter 21, verse 19. He will tell Peter not to come and see him, but rather to follow him. It's a different word that's used to relay the intensity of what Jesus was telling Peter. When he said, follow me, Peter will have already passed the stage in his life where he has seen enough of who Jesus is and is now being told by our Lord to follow him. It would seem, I am afraid, that people are coming to see Jesus and then remain at that beginner's stage. After all, it is nice to come and sit and watch others work as they do it well. It's great. That's a great way to learn come in you're comfortable you see people doing the work stacking the chairs getting the um, event ready whatever it might be to prepare to teach the word of god it's nice to sit and watch that but just like an apprentice at any task as an apprentice the idea is that you learn and learn well on how to do the task and to do it well that's the idea i was always told my pastor said paul work yourself out of a job, work yourself out of a job. As others, you would be teaching them as they watch you, as you speak to them, you then put yourself in the position to do something else while they continue the task that you started. You stay busy this way. The church grows this way. People become active this way. So I have seen, as we read through the Gospel of John, it is my hope and prayer that you would be shaken up To put your hands to work that's what it means to put your hands to the plow put your hands to the work as jesus will show us all how and as we can see you don't have to be in a rush to do it come and see enter your church fellowship watch how they do things get to talk to people know people jesus will show us all how to do that you will grow in the lord did you know that's what service was service is coming to know the lord more You walk in, you're getting to know the environment, what's going on, who are the people, uh, how is the lesson, how are the teachings. We always hope that they're teaching from the word of God. That's what we encourage. But then after some time, you begin to serve. You begin to clean things. You begin to straighten things out. (laughs) Ask me how I know. And you begin to know who Jesus is by your active participation in the work. And Jesus will show us all how. Unlike religion, the Lord does not force himself upon those to know him. In this case, to come and see him. Jesus is who he says he is, and we see that from cover to cover of his written word, the Bible. We, as pastors, teachers, preachers, priests, and or messengers of God, would do well to remember that. Our job is to point and direct you, the masses, to the word of God more commonly known as the Bible. I have a few minutes, I'm going to read this. I do praise the Lord, and am fortunate to have never had religion as the stepping stone to knowing who Jesus is. My walk with the Lord, with the living God, started with the compilation of two primary elements. This is not going to be my testimony, that's coming up. Two primary elements. Number one, my Tia, my auntie, had always told me of the Lord and had given me a Bible to read. The best part, it was one that I could understand at such a young age, a little bit more than a children's Bible. It was a Bible fully entailed with all that uh, Bibles have. Throughout my life since then, she would end up giving me a new Bible every few years which I found to be to my advantage, as they were all of different translation, allowing me to compare one with the other. Maybe that's why I have a fascination with translations of the Bible. My desire is that people would know Jesus, as I am here on the island of Mauritius, the primary language, though it is English, the national language, but it's not the primary language that they speak. So then therefore, why would I want to give them a Bible they can hardly understand? No, I give them a Bible, the Christian Standard Bible, I have found to be wonderful English and very complete in its translation to the original manuscripts. Therefore, I encourage the Christian Standard Bible for them. When I was eight years old, and here comes uh, portion number two of my walk with the Lord, When I was eight years old, my very best friend at the time asked me if I was saved. It would be what happened after that when I responded to his question with, saved from what? That changed my life from then on. It was from that time on, after I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior, that I began to understand what it was the Bible said who Jesus was. My relationship grew with knowing the Lord personally and intimately. I knew him as my best friend. I knew him as my Lord, my master, and I knew him as the Christ for everyone. The more I read, the more I knew. Along with learning and knowing who he was, did I also learn who he was not. This is probably where I get the notion to test Every pastor, every preacher, every teacher, every one of them, do they know Jesus? Or are they pushing an agenda? Do they truly know what the Bible has to say? Or have they memorized it as a textbook? There's a difference. It is now some 40 years later that it is no wonder to me why we, here at Pack New for Christ Ministries, encourage everyone to read your Bibles in its entirety for the two primary reasons, to know who Jesus is and to know who Jesus is not. By Jesus saying to the interested disciples to come and see, he was inviting them to come to know for themselves who he was, that they would have the accurate account from the source himself, which is exactly what the Bible is, an accurate account of who Jesus says he is. There at the end of verse uh, 39, my New King James Version says it was now about the 10th hour. Christian Standard Bible says 4 o'clock p.m. Well, there are two ways to understand this statement. It does relate to the mindset of the telling of time. The surrounding Romans who spoke Greek understood time to begin daily at 6 p.m a.m., which would be the sixth hour. Therefore, they would have understood the 10th hour to be the same as what you and I today understand as 10 o'clock a.m. in the morning. This would make sense in the minds of the Romans, as well as in our minds, that the two disciples and Jesus spent the rest of the daylight hours together, as it says here, and they remained with him that day. However, this would not fit the purpose of the gospel writer's narrative, which he made so clear to us. There in chapter 20, verse 31, it reads this, But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. The gospel writer wanted all his readers to know that. The Romans did not know anything about the coming of the Messiah. This was Hebrew thinking, and John was a Hebrew. The Hebrew understood time as in two 12-hour periods, the first beginning at 6 p.m. and the second beginning at 6 a.m. Therefore, when John recorded in his gospel that it was the 10th hour, he probably meant it to be 4 p.m. What is interesting to note, is that soon after this time in the temple the priests would have been preparing the daily sacrifice for the evening so right now they're hanging out with jesus spending time with him they know where he stays it's right about the time when the priests are in the temple preparing for their daily sacrifice as the lamb was being sacrificed in the temple the first disciples which One was the Gospel writer, John. They spent the evening in homage to that which reflected the very one that they were meeting with, Jesus, the Lamb of God. And they had no idea. The perfect timing of this episode in the lives of these two disciples, Andrew and John, really shows the omnipresence of the living God. By the time we get to chapter 5, we will see what Jesus means when he says there in chapter 5, verse 17, he says, my father is still working and I am working also. That's what Jesus said. So the mighty God is continually working in your life in order that all aspects of it will fit together to bring him the most glory. I don't know what the Lord is going to do in your life. I can only encourage you to go to the Lord, come and spend time, quality time with Jesus and see what he has planned for you. Verse 40, we know who the disciple is, Andrew. Verse 41, what does that disciple do? He goes straight to a family member. He says, he first found his own brother Simon and said to him, "We." have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. The Messiah is the understanding of who the Christ is in, in the Hebrew, the Messiah. Christ is the equivalent in the Greek, the Christ, the anointed, the chosen one, the savior of all man. He immediately tells someone, in this case, his family member. So it's no strange thing that Andrew would go straight to his brother. He came with the statement, that has caused the most argument among all of mankind. The statement that in the 21st century has led to the greatest persecution in all of Christian history. Did you know that? All of Christian history, the depths of Christians cannot compare to the last 100 years. And that statement was we found the Messiah. We know who Jesus is. Uh, We know who the Messiah is. Jesus. You can say God in any conversation. You can go especially in front of a crowd and mention God all you want. They will cheer you. They will cheer you. They will invite you in. We're all part of the same group. Mention Jesus. Say that. Say Jesus is God. Say that. Or you don't have to say it with such intensity. You can say Jesus is God. See how many friends you have after that. See how many people in the religious circle still want to be around you. Because now you're pointing people to Jesus and not to anyone else. The confidence that Andrew had in the message to his brother would stay with him all the way to his death. Leaving him a martyr, which would be the true implication given to the statement that Jesus would later make to Peter, follow me. All of the apostles were martyred, every one of them except John, the the writer of this gospel. He was the only one to live a full life. And as we saw in the beginning of our reading together through the gospel of John, that God had a plan for John. God showed John many things, and we will see. And so God kept John alive, that he would record all that, see and record it. He was the one who came and saw just as jesus is asking all that is the work of the holy spirit before you even request jesus to be your lord he's asking you to come come and see come and see the last verse here that of our study will be that he brought andrew brought simon peter to jesus now when jesus looked at him jesus said you are simon the son of jonah You shall be called Cephas, which is translated Peter, or Petros, or rock, the stone. Why does Jesus change his name? I don't know, but I have an idea. We know this. Peter was, for lack of an extensive terminology, I will only use the word. I think it's the best one to fit. Hardcore. Peter was that strong aggressive, I don't think much scared him. And I also believe that Peter was very angry, angry at working all day. A fisherman's life is not an easy one, it's a hard life. It's hard work, I have fishermen friends. They are that, hardcore, strong, wow, they're strong. And they are just nonstop, these guys. And I believe Peter's anger comes from not only having to pay so many taxes at the time, whatever that may have been, but I think his anger came from him growing up as a Jewish boy, knowing what the scriptures say, or that is to say, being taught the scriptures and seeing the teachers of the day, deceiving, lying to the people, pointing the people only to themselves, benefiting only themselves. And yet he was hard as stone. I believe, I, I believe that he was just rock hard, that Jesus named him the very thing he would become. For the service of god because i in my own experience as the lord's transforming me i can say i haven't changed much i'm still intense very intense i mean i can't wash dishes without full intensity <laughs> but as jesus transforms your life don't be afraid don't be afraid because what he does he changes the perspective of it as you are in sin as you are working doing whatever it is whatever your mind convinces you to do it will be used in the same intensity the same intellect for the purpose of good it's wonderful to know that don't feel one bit that you have to change you don't you have to change the perspective of who you are jesus will change you his holy spirit will transform you more like him and, and we see that this hardcore fisherman fellow, his name didn't come to be cotton. I mean, soft tissue. No, it was Cephas It was rock. I like that. So whoever you are, whatever you are, you know, each one has their purpose. Whatever you are. Hey, you don't know the, 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 the extent of your value. Because right now, if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your value really is zero. It's zero. Your friends are not friends. They're people you know. And you know what? Guess what? Jesus is the one to transform you. That's what he came to do. And that's what these two disciples have come to see. That's what Jesus said. Come and see. He didn't force anything. They did come and see. They will learn to see, and they will die for it. No one dies for a lie. They knew the truth. No one one will give their lives for, for that which is a lie. And no one likes a liar. No one. That deception is an awful place to be. But you know what? Jesus never did. That's why pastors, teachers, preachers, priests, messengers of God, point them to Jesus. Well, I only found one verse particularly there in Revelation chapter 2, verse 17, to kind of even support this, why Jesus would change his name. It says here, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat, and I will give him a white stone, and on the stone a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. I don't know what that means. But I know that Jesus changed to the name of Peter. And I know that Jesus changes the lives of those that receive him as Lord and Savior of it. And I know that people don't change. Their Their perspective does. So, hey man, woman, girl, guy, whoever you are, come to the Lord. And if you have come to the Lord already, as I do and am encouraged to do, but yet you've walked away from him. He hasn't walked away from you. He has a plan for you. For those who haven't received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, come to know what that is. And for those who have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, but yet have done your own thing, hey, come back to the Lord, get your priorities straight. You know why? Because he's coming. He's coming soon. I don't know when, but you know what? You might see him before he returns. That's the idea. The idea is let him show you, come and see.